Just a quick note before we get into the lesson, this, the singing is always, we have made it the first Friday night of the month. The reason that we're not having it on that date uh, this month is because there's a marriage seminar uh, area congregations have been invited to. Uh, guys, ladies, I know that as you make your resolutions, making a stronger marriage is surely up near the top of that. Uh, it's in the Tompkinsville Church of Christ. It's the His Shoes, Her Shoes seminar by Wayne and Tammy Roberts. I believe they either are from Texas or Oklahoma, uh, but they do a good job. Uh, Kathy and I happened to be at the first one they ever did. It just so happened that that was the case, and they do a good job. Um, I, we can get more details. I don't know the time. Uh, but we're, it's going to be Friday evening and Saturday. So make your plans if you don't have plans uh, to be a part of that. According to Forbes magazine, 40% of us make them every year. And 8% of us enjoy success in them. What does it take for resolutions to be successful? Well, I suppose that we would have to say for resolutions to be successful, they need to be specific. So often what we'll say is something like, I want to lose some weight this year. But maybe more specifically to say, I'm going to try to lose 15 pounds by the spring. Be specific. Resolutions to be successful also need, for a Christian especially, need to be spiritual. Now, not all of our resolutions are going to overtly center around spirituality, but as Christians, it ought to be a part of everything that we do, and it's the most important area in which we will ever strive for success. Resolutions to be successful also need to be serious. You know, somewhere along the way, you're going to trip up and fall, but don't let that momentary lack of self-discipline be the end of it all. Take it seriously. Resolutions to be successful also need to be sensible. Don't try to do too much, too fast. They say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. When it comes to the resolutions that we make, we want to be sensible about that. Bite it off a little bit at a time. Furthermore, I would suggest that resolutions to be successful are going to require self-discipline. Now, self-discipline may or may not be one of your resolutions, but if you make resolutions, it's going to be a part of each and every one of them. Don't self-sabotage. And then resolutions to be successful also are going to require study. You know, Solomon said in the long ago in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12 that the making of books, there is no end. And so wherever it is that you're searching to try to improve in your life, somebody's written a book about it. But the greatest book ever written for the most important resolutions is such that James says, don't just see what it says, do what it says. James chapter 1 and verse 22. There are a lot of places all over the Bible where we have ideas about resolutions. But I suppose that there's no more comprehensive look at resolutions than in the text that was just read for us so well a moment ago in Psalm 101. In Psalm 101, it seems, as you saw the reading that Josh did for us, it can be divided into two categories. I'm going to look at the first of those two categories. When we think about living a better life in 2022 and beyond, there's one area that I want us to focus on, and that's the relationship that we have with God. Surely, the relationship that we have with Him is the foundation to every other improvement that we want to make. So if you keep your Bibles open to Psalm 101, we're going to walk through that and see some resolutions to make in 2022 individually. The first resolution that David gives for us is, I am resolved to worship faithfully. 
You'll notice that he leads out this psalm by talking about worship. I will sing praises. I will make music to you, depending on your translation. You know, there's no mistake, but the idea is that people are oriented to worship something higher than themselves. You study all cultures and all places and all times, and what you'll see is that we're going to find something that we gravitate toward, that we give our lives to, and we bow down before. It may be rocks, the sun, the moon, the stars, science, nature, money, something, but we're bowing down before the altar of some God. But it's the Bible that fills in the blanks for us. As we examine Scripture, it tells us who it is that we're to worship, how that we're to worship, and why that we're to worship. And we can look all over the Bible to see this, but think for just a moment of Psalm chapter 99 and just one tiny sample of all the Bible has to say about it. In that Psalm, it tells us who it is that we're to worship. We are to worship the Lord, Psalm 99 verse 1 and 2. We're to worship the Lord our God, Psalm 99 verse 5 and verse 8 and 9. It tells us how that we are to worship. We are to worship by trembling, verse 1 of that psalm says. We are to worship by praising, verse 3 says. And we are to worship by obeying. And why are we to worship? Because He reigns, verse 1. Because He's great, verse 2. Because He's holy, verse 3, verse 5, and verse 8. And because He is just, verse 4. When I notice what David is saying in this psalm, David is speaking of how important worship is to him and his focus is specific. He is going to worship God based on his mercy and his justice. He wants a balanced view of God. And to have a balanced view, a healthy, right view of God, it's going to start with worship. How does that apply to you and me tonight? I'm speaking to the cream of the crop, the Sunday night crowd. We need resolutions when it comes to our worship. If we're going to be a better us in 2022, it starts in this proclamation time that we have together. So what are some resolutions that might be made? How about this? I will strive to have greater focus and to be less distracted. Uh, Distraction is just a part in, in the human dynamic of being together. It's easy for us to be distracted. And how is it that we resolve that? Well, it depends. For different people, it's different things. It might be being a little bit closer to the front. It might be preparing ourselves beforehand by singing and praying. It might be that I have to ask myself, what can I do to minimize the distractions around me or even minimize being a distraction to others? And so I will have more focus and less distraction. Or how about this? I will strive not at all to go through the motions of worship without my heart engaged. David said in Psalm 111 and verse 1, Praise the Lord. I will sing with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright, in the congregation. It's still a worthy resolution for us that I'm going to make sure that my heart is fully engaged from the beginning to the end in this adoration to God. Furthermore, if I'm thinking about some resolution that I could make, I'm going to say in my heart that I'm not going to let any unworthy excuse keep me from assembling. I'm going to examine all of my life and make sure that there is no God before Him. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. I also am going to resolve to, to take what I get in worship, whether through the singing, the praying, the observance around the Lord's table, in the expression of my giving, or in the teaching and the preaching that's done, I'm going to more faithfully apply the teaching and the preaching. 
James talks about that pivot point in our lives where we put apart all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. And with humility we receive the implanted word which is able to save the soul. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who beholds himself in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he immediately goes away and forgets what kind of person that he was. But whoever continues in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and continues in it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of that work, this man will be blessed in what he does. You think about all that's in your life. The place where we can begin in our resolutions is in worshiping God more faithfully. Resolve to worship God faithfully in 2022. Let's walk through the psalm a little further. And what we'll find is that he is saying for us something that we can take away is that we can resolve to walk with personal integrity. David moves from his worship to his character. And you will notice him saying that I will live a blameless life. As he looks into himself, where he begins is where we need to begin. He's going to begin in his thoughts and in his heart. He realized something that we need to realize is that we in public worship may be able to portray one thing and then be something else inside of ourselves. Jesus tapped into that tendency in Matthew chapter 15. He quotes Isaiah chapter 29. And he says in Matthew 15 and verse 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. David shows us that the launching pad for a better life, privately and publicly, is to assess who I am on the inside. I need to be on the inside what people see me at church to be. And so I'm going to walk with greater character. And that begins in my heart and in my thoughts. You know, Scripture tells us about that in Proverbs 27 and verse 19. As in water, face reflects face. And so uh, the heart of a man reflects the man. Proverbs 27 and verse 19. And while David was not perfect at this, it was such that the Old Testament in 1 Samuel and the New Testament in Acts 13 and verse 22 tells us that David was a man after the very heart of God. In Psalm 141, verse 3 and 4, David asked God to put a guard over his lips and a door before his mouth, but also to keep his heart from evil deeds. He knew that before he got to his outward life, it began with God taking control of his heart through his word. And so as we look at our lives, we have some encouragements for us. To begin to be people of personal integrity on the highest level. That means we're going to be honest That means that we're going to be fair. That means that we're going to watch our temperament. It means that we're going to watch what goes into our heart. He'll say more about that in the next few verses. But Jesus said in one of the foundational principles of discipleship, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If we need a passage to help us to keep the personal integrity part on track, what about Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, if there's anything of excellency and anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The Irish poet John Keeble says, Still to the lowly heart he doth himself impart, and for his cradle and for his throne he chooses the pure in heart. David is going from worshiping God to a personal integrity that's going to drive what's in his thoughts and what's in his heart. But I want us to think about a third resolution. In 2022, we can resolve to have moral purity. 
coming out of that personal integrity, it's going to spill into our private life. In just a few moments, Hiram is going to look at us and our public life, our relationship with others. But we're beginning to gravitate toward that direction right here in verse 2 through verse 4. As David begins to look at his relationships, he's looking at the basis whereby he is going to conduct them. It's not so much the relationships themselves, but there are two areas where he focuses, and that's in his heart and with his eyes. And so you'll notice that there are three resolutions. By the way, ten times in these eight verses, David looks to the future with resolve and he says, I will. Three of them are right here. The first thing he says is, I will walk with integrity of heart in my house. Verse 2. You know, we, we just do things differently at home than we do in public or when we have people over, don't we? We dress more comfortably. We dress more casually. We generally follow a different set of manners. We even have different plates and cups than when we have company over. We're different when we're alone. But one thing that should be the same, whether it's privately or publicly, is our faith. You know, one time King Hezekiah was confronted by the prophet Isaiah in 2 Kings chapter 20 and Isaiah chapter 39. And the question that was asked is, what have they seen in your house? By way of application, that's a great incentive for us to have resolution. What has my spouse seen in my house? What have my children seen in my house? Do I need to make some resolutions about my speech, about my temper, about my choices in my house? You see, if I'm, as I think about those personal relationships, those that I have the most influence on are those that I know the best. That's my, my spouse, my children, my extended family. That's my inner circle of friends. Those who are closest to me, they're the ones that I'm the most responsible for. And David says, I will Walk with integrity of heart in my house. He also says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. Verse 3. You know, baby, we look at that and we say, well, well, wait a minute. David didn't have to deal with the internet. He didn't have to deal with streaming services and with television. But we know that he had to deal with temptations with regard to what he put before his eyes. He is demonstrating to us in whatever age that we live that the battle of the heart is fought at the window of the soul. And as we look at what David is indicating to us, he is saying, I'm going to watch. We need to watch what we put before our eyes when we're all alone. That means we're going to watch what we put before our eyes on our phones, on our tablets, on our desktops. And on our television sets. It means I'm going to watch my eyes when I'm around those of the opposite sex. Both those that I do know and those that I don't know. He says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. And he also says, I will not live a life of evil. In verse 4. I will not allow perverse things, some versions say, to be in my life. That has to do with a decision. That has to do with a mindset. It's going to affect the kind of relationships that we make those that are the most dear. But it's the same concept with which David begins the entire book of Psalms. How blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. I want to live a blameless life. I want to surprise nobody in a negative way. You know, there's a, a fact that the Bible bears out, and that is that God wants to have a relationship with us. 
If you want proof of that, all you got to do is look at Jeremiah's life. You look at Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, and he feels unseasoned, and he feels unsure of himself. Chapter 1 and verse 6, he feels unsteady in the job that God has given him in chapter 1 and verse 8. But you'll notice in chapter 1 and verse 5 that God said three things of Jeremiah that's true of you and me. He said in the first place, I know you. God knows you better than you know yourself. And despite that, he wants a relationship with you. He said, I set you apart. You know, God sees something in you that he doesn't see in anybody else to leverage the opportunities in your life. He wants to set you apart, not for your glory, but for his. And he also would say to him, I've got a job for you to do. He gives Jeremiah a specific job, but God knows your temperament. He knows your uh, aptitudes and he knows your characteristics. And he knows that there's something you can do in the kingdom of God. God wants a relationship with you because he values you. But David turns it around here in Psalm 101. He shows us how we need to resolve to want and to strive for a close relationship with him. And he shows us how that happens. James chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us that God wants us to draw near to his heart. He wants us to say and echo to Paul in Philippians 3 and verse 10, I want to know Christ. It starts in my personal relationship with God. I have resolutions. I can worship God faithfully in my heart and in my expression and in my presence. I can also be that one who walks with personal integrity and I can live with moral purity. And those that see me as it forms the basis of the rest of the relationships of our life. If the first four verses of Psalm 101 are about our relationship with God, then verses 5 through 8 are about the resolutions and the mindset that we can have with each other. Now, today, many people make resolutions that aren't religious, but the idea of making resolutions at all was begun by individuals that were very much religious. The Romans, on the first month of their year, known as Janus, for which we've named our month January, they would make resolutions about what they plan to do, about debts they plan to repay and things they want to give back. In the medieval era, the knights would make what was called the peacock vow. At the end of Christmas, they would recommit themselves to practicing chivalry in the year to come. And even the Jews from Rosh Hashanah, their New Year's Day festival, all into and up to Yom Kippur, they vowed to do certain things. And so David does in Psalm 101. David says, I will repeatedly. And in the first four verses, as Neil has shown us tonight, David talks about vows that he has with God. But in the verses we'll see in the remainder of this lesson, David says he also has vows and commitments for his relationships with other people. You know, there's this off phrase, control what you control. And that phrase is often repeated, but often not put into practice. Many times we worry about things beyond our control. In the USA Today of March of 2021, there was this article. What are the things that Americans are worried about the most? And you'd be surprised or maybe not with the things that were on the list. There were things about national security and the coronavirus and the invasion of the Capitol on January 6th of that year and minorities relationships with police and access to health care. And all of those things may very well be important and have their place. But the reality is many of the people that were worried about those things could do very little about those things. What can we focus on? That is the things that we can change. Notice the three things that David says as we transition from our resolve and our resolutions this year for our relationship with God to now how we're going to deal with one another. Verse five, David says, I will admonish the wicked. He vows to do this in verse five. 
the individual that is wicked or those that slander their neighbors secretly. David says, I will destroy the one with the haughty look and an arrogant heart. I will not endure. You know, if anyone wanted to practice slander or gossip, they weren't safe in David's presence. David knew the old law. Leviticus 19, 16, Moses said, you will not go up and down among the people as a talebearer. And David says, I won't do that either. He had a resolve to rid himself of individuals who were doing the wrong thing. And the first thing he mentions in verse five is the one that is a talebearer. Even if you wanted to do this secretly, David said, I will expose you. It's interesting. The word that David uses here for destroy in verse five, it could be translated to silence someone. And so maybe what David is saying is if anybody comes to him to be a talebearer, David's simply going to mute that individual. Proverbs 20 and verse 19 says, do not entertain a simple babbler because they reveal secrets and that causes destruction. David's mind is set on being pure and being blameless before God. And so that means David will admonish the individual who does wrong. And in this case, it's what's being said about someone else. This is a challenge, but this is what David says he will do. He resolves to do a look down at verse six. David says, or in the rest of verse five, excuse me, David says the person with a high look and a haughty or arrogant heart, I will not endure them. David says the one that has a self-inflated view of himself or one that likes to slander other people, he vows to admonish that person, to silence them and to remove them from his company. What if in 2022 we said, I vow this year not to tolerate the wicked. You know, it's not enough, according to God, to abstain from every form of evil. First Thessalonians 5.22, the Bible says that you and I must also be sure not to give our approval to those who do it. Romans 1.32 says not only those that practice those things, but those that give their approval have God's wrath bearing down on them. And there are few sins where that verse means more than in verses that talk about the way that we may slander other individuals or let others do it to us. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, Ephesians 4.29. But Psalm 101 and verse 5 may be saying, let no corrupt communication come into your ears. David vows to silence the person that comes to him with negativity. David knows that this is prohibited in the law, but he also knows it was a problem in his life. Remember when David was on the run and Saul did everything within his power to infect the entire nation of Israel with this hatred for David. David knew what that was like, and he refused to sit idly by while it became somebody else's reality. He said, I won't stand for it. I won't tolerate it. It's bad business. And maybe you're an Israelite and you're reading Psalm 101. Say, well, that's easy for David to say. Of course, David can extinguish evil in the nation and he's at a greater advantage than me. And we may think that tonight, but we'd be mistaken. We don't need legislative power to stop individuals that slander and that are prideful. We simply need courage and a backbone. Galatians 2 and verse 11, Paul said, when I came to Antioch, I withstood Peter to his face because he stood condemned. He stood up to Peter and we need to do the same. We might say, well, how is this done? How can I admonish the wicked, especially as it relates to slander and gossip? And arrogance. Let's take slander. How do I do this? David says he's going to do it. How can it be done? When somebody comes to us with slander, maybe we vow this year, no matter what it is or who it is, we'll change the subject when they do it. Maybe we say to them, I don't want to talk about X right now. I don't feel comfortable talking about X. Or maybe we say, hey, have you talked to them about this? You know, it'd be better if you relate this information to them. I heard a story once of a woman who was confronted by her friend and she said, hey, I've got some bad news. So and so was talking about you. And then the friend responded, well, I've got a question. I wonder why they felt so comfortable telling you. David says, I vow not to let it happen. 
Someone has said when people tell bear or gossip in our presence, the best thing to do is to immediately pick out or pull out a piece of paper and a pen and start to write things down. And when they say, what are you doing? You say, well, listen, I want to get this transcribed accurately because I plan to tell them everything you've said that normally pours cold water on it. David says, I won't do it, but it's a challenge because we have itching ears. We love to be in the know. And sometimes it's our friends. David says, I won't tolerate the wicked person. I won't tolerate the person that's inflated with his own self-importance. Look at the rest of the verse. He says, the proud individual that looks on himself and that's inflated, David says, he won't dwell in my company. This verse may be the greatest challenge in the psalm, especially in our day. This is the last thing you do in 2022. You don't correct anybody. You don't say anything to anybody about anything that they're doing wrong. And while the Bible condemns us making everybody's business ours and the Bible condemns nosiness as a vice and not a virtue, it also condemns this sort of passive spirit where we let evil go on around us and we either silently acquiesce or we say nothing about it at all. One man said true weakness is seen in one of two actions, either being silent when we really ought to speak or speaking when we ought to be silent. But Proverbs 31 and verse eight says, speak up in the time when it's right to do so. Admonish the wicked. And if the day comes in 2022, when you look in the mirror and you just so happen to be that individual, pray that someone loves you enough to admonish you as well. Psalm 141 and verse five, David says, let the righteous man correct me and it'll be a kindness. Let him rebuke me and it'll be as oil on my head and let me not despise that oil. I resolve this year, David says, to admonish the wicked. Here's the second one. Develop and maintain healthy relationships. Among our resolutions that we should have this year for our relationships with others is to develop and maintain healthy relationships. David says in verse six that his eyes will be with favor on the faithful in the land and those that walk in an upright or blameless way. They will minister to him. And then in verse seven, he talks about the type of person that won't be in his company, the type of person whose company he doesn't invite. David doesn't want to be in the presence of those that practice deceit or those that utter lies. But the person that's doing the right thing, David says, I I want them to be around me. This terminology about friendship and the types of companions that we have is just filled in the wisdom literature of the Bible. And for good reason, because we won't rise above the individuals that we call friends. The people that are around us are going to make up our minds about many things. We will become like them for better or for worse. Motivational speaker Jim Rohn has been famous for saying you are like the top five people that you spend the most time with. So choose wisely. Notice how many times in the book of Proverbs alone Solomon speaks to or about friendship and the place of prominence it has in our lives and the way we should go about instructing our friends or choosing an individual for friends. Proverbs 17 and verse 17, he says, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 27 and verse six, he says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. As iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Friends make you better or worse. Proverbs 22, 23 and 24. Solomon says, make no friendship with an angry man and with the furious man. You shall not go lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. David says, my eyes will look with favor on the faithful in the land. And those are the people I'm going to be around this year. Make the resolution and say, I'm going to develop and maintain good and healthy and wholesome relationships with other individuals. Have Psalm 34, three type friendships. Let us magnify the Lord with me and exalt God's name together. Be around people that are going to make you laugh. But yes, also love God more and live more like Jesus Christ. David says in verse six, my eyes will be on the faithful in the land. People that God likes are going to be the kind of people that I like. 
I'm going to surround myself with people that want to do the right thing, that want to live for Jesus and go in the same direction as heaven. David made this vow to both cultivate, develop and maintain these healthy relationships. But then in verse seven, David says, those that utter lies, those that practice deceit, they won't dwell in my house. David knew the value of having friends like that. Do you know David had a friend like that? David had deceived himself. He thought he had deceived the nation and even his God. But thank God for Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 7, who confronted David in his sin and in his adultery. And he said, David, you are the sinner that needs to repent and turn. And David now wants to return the favor. And he says, people that lie and practice deceit, they don't have a place of refuge or safety in my house. I will expose them. Develop and cultivate healthy relationships in 2022. That begins, of course, with being the type of friend that individuals want to cultivate that relationship with yourself. What type of friends do we have? Surely, you know, the parable of the emperor who had no clothes and how he was supposedly this great king who loved clothes more than he really loved being an emperor. While most emperors were often in council or seeing about their military might, this man was in his dressing room. So the parable goes. And one day, two swindlers come kingdom and they say now listen king we've got great and fancy clothes but only the best and the brightest can see these clothes as they're constructed and he loved clothes and he said well i'll go with that if that's what you have i'll take it but there were no clothes at all it was all a figment of his imagination and he walked around the empire naked and all of his friends would be asked don't you see these clothes and aren't they beautiful and don't they look good and they would think to themselves he's not wearing any but if i say he's not wearing any then i lose my job or maybe i'm not wise or smart or astute and so they all went along And one day as he's in procession throughout the town, a young girl nudges her parents and says, look, the emperor has no clothes. And everybody tries to silence her. And then finally, they all say what they know to be true. You and I can surround ourselves with yes men and yes women, friends that never correct us, that never rebuke us, that never tell us what we need to be told. Or we can say, I want people that are going to help me go in the right direction. How do we develop and cultivate healthy relationships? Here are a few practical things we can do before we go to the third and final point tonight. Number one, avoid a life of isolation and invest in good friendship. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says two are better than one, for they have a great reward for their labor. If one falls down, another can help him up. But woe to the one who falls and is alone. Two can keep one warm. But how can a man stay warm with himself? And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Avoid a life of isolation. Somebody says I'm an introvert. That's no excuse. Invest in deep and healthy relationships. But number two, be more impressed by the fruit of the spirit than anything else. When you think about the types of people that you want to develop relationships with, think about people whose lives exude love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Don't think merely about what people can do for you or what they have. Be more impressed by individuals who possess the fruit of the spirit than anything else. Number three. Avoid and cut off toxic relationships. You know, there are some people that are no good to us and no good for us. And sometimes we are far too slow to pull the plug. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 15, Alexander, the coppersmith did me much evil. Beware of him yourself. He means us no good. Timothy, he's not a friend. You probably should stay away. Be diligent, number four, and not desperate. Ephesians 5, 7 through 10 says, remember, don't go along with the sons of disobedience, but evaluate their works and walk as children of light and not as the day accepting and proving what is pleasing to the Lord. 
And then in the last place, grow a good soul yourself. If you really want to have good and strong companionship, grow a good soul yourself. If you don't, you will expect and depend on friendship to do for you what only God can. And you will often walk away unfulfilled, demanding far too much of others and always coming up short. David vowed to have the right kinds of friendships in his life. And then in the final place, David vowed to cut off the wicked in the land. Look at verse eight. He says early in the morning or morning by morning, I will destroy all of the wicked in the land. I will cut off evildoers from the city of my God. David was not only the king in Israel, but he was by far the best king that Israel ever had. He was head and shoulders above all the rest. Anytime any Old Testament historian wanted to talk about what type of king the people needed, they would always point back to the great example of David. David says, my life will be righteous, but I will make it such that in all of Israel, righteousness will be the rule of the day. And so he's going to get rid of all of the wicked and all of the evil. It's like in the days of Joshua, Joshua 24 and verse 31. They were not only faithful in the days of Joshua, but Israel was faithful in all of the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. That's David's focus here. Somebody says we've come to the New Testament. How do you apply a passage like Psalm 101 and verse eight? David wants to destroy and cut off all of the wicked in the land. And so do we. Though the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and fleshly, they are weapons nonetheless. We are in battle. And the way that we extinguish the wicked in Bowling Green and Warren County is through a renewed evangelistic zeal. We say what David says. Notice in the verse, David is vigilant. It's every day, day by day. He's continuous. David's comprehensive. He says all of the wicked and all of the evildoers. He wants them all out. And David is kingdom minded. This isn't a personal vendetta, but underline this in verse eight. It's about the city of God. David says, I want the place cleaned up for God's sake. I work at it every day and I want every one of them. And it's for the city of God. We clean up. We clean up unity by reaching out to individuals with the gospel. Scott Quimby did not desire really to make the news at all. It was Kathleen Lynch who saw him. He was on Spring Street. In East Bridgewater, Massachusetts, and he was just picking up trash. She says she saw him doing this and she saw really the piles of garbage bags along the side of the road. And she stopped and pulled over and she just had to ask him, what are you doing? He said, I'm picking up trash. She said, why? He said, just because. And she took a picture of him and put it on the Facebook page that she runs for their local area. And the local news reached out to Mr. Scott and they said, what were you doing out there picking up that trash? He said, you know what? One day I was out driving and I would come home and I kept driving back and forth. And I said to myself, I am so tired of all this trash on our street. The next day I have off, I'm cleaning up these streets. He said, I want it to be the goal that the entire community is eventually cleaned up. And so when I'm off work, I'm going to clean up these streets. I don't know if he was successful, but he did what he could. You know how many people drove down those same streets and they complained? How many people saw the trash and they complained about others that littered or maybe merely added to the problem? When we think about what David says and our task. We can lament the times in which we live. Oh, I remember when America was more moral. I remember when people were more God centered. I remember when people were more religious. Or we can simply say, let's roll out the gospel. Let's roll out the good news and let's do what we can in our time and in our generation to purge the land of wickedness. What if we had a greater evangelistic zeal in 2022? I know we talk about it and we preach about it, but what if we actually put it into practice, tangible goals? What if each of us said every week I'm going to invite at least one non-Christian to the assembly? Every day I'm going to have one conversation in which I insert something about Jesus, about God, about a sermon I heard or a Bible class I'm attending. I'm going to do that. 
what if you tried to have three Bible studies this year, just three Bible studies with non-Christians, or you say, I'm not equipped to study the Bible with people. I don't have confidence in my ability to open up the word of God and point someone to eternity. But just get them to the city of God. Get them among God's people. Surely there are people in this assembly that are gifted in the area of teaching and sharing the gospel. And if we could just get them here. Scott wanted to clean up each bridge, Massachusetts, and so he picked up a trash bag. We want to clean up Bowling Green and people's eternal souls. And so we should pick up the gospel and try to take it into every individual's heart that we know that needs it. But that's not just somebody out there somewhere. We need to think about real people that we know and love and to come into contact with and say, you know what? 2022 is going to be the year that I have the hard conversation that I should have had in times past. I talk about the eternity that this individual is itching to more and more every day. And I want them to come to know Jesus in a new and better way. Psalm 101. I don't know if David was in a sort of New Year's mode when he wrote these resolutions or if any of this was prompted by a desire to change anything in the year to come. But David was resolved. His mind was made up. He says over and over again, I will. And if we believe that we will, we can. If we put the things into practice that we've talked about tonight, first with our relationship with God and then our relationship with each other, have the right kind of companions. Resolve to have an evangelistic zeal and admonish individuals that are doing wrong in our surrounding circles and in those that we come into contact with. Maybe tonight someone needs to come to Jesus Christ before we can fix any horizontal relationship. We first have to fix the vertical before we can worship God acceptably. We have to be his child. We come to him by believing Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, turning from sin and being immersed to have our sins forgiven in water. The Bible says when you do that, God will add you to his family, add you to the church, add you to the city of God. And then you can be a part of God's cleanup process as he tries through the gospel to rid the world of wickedness and of evildoers, not as we push them out, but hopefully as we take the good news to them and pull them in into God's love, into God's forgiveness, into God's family. And finally, into God's eternal home. If we can help you tonight, we talk tonight about good friendships and keeping people accountable. We can't pray for what we don't know. And maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you've made a resolution. It's between you and the Lord. But, you know, I've been trying at this and I've been trying at this. And in 2022, I really want to do better. But I need more spiritual reinforcement. If we can pray with you or if we can pray for you, we want to do that as well. If we can help you in any way, come tonight as we stand, as we sing.